Well, I'm back. Um, I walked off the stage for a minute, and then you're like, oh, maybe we're not gonna have to deal with him. No, nope, I'm here the whole time. Um, again, I mentioned it before. My name is Chris Emmons. If you weren't listening, um, pay attention. Chris Emmons, Ross Campus Pastor. They put it up there so you don't mess it up. Those of you who are watching online, we're glad you're watching today. Um, no, you haven't tuned into the wrong place. I mentioned it before. I am not Kevin Smith. I am not him. Um, I'm the Ross Campus Pastor. And if you don't know me, then I just want to help you understand kind of what I do. I do basically what Kevin does, but better. <laughs> now, I actually feel kind of bad because I wasn't supposed to say anything bad about Kevin. I was supposed to be nice. Honestly, that's my bad. Um, it's just really easy to do that. We like to pick, I promise you right now, he's starting his message at Ross and he said like 15 things bad about me. Like he's run me down. And that's just, that's just, we do, we pick on each other. Honestly, he's my bestie, I love Kevin. Like he and I get along really well. We do like to pick on each other. And unfortunately, he knows that as a result of us being like best friends, right? He, he has no problem with making comments about me in public. He's like, hey, he, he says things. He's, he, knows, he knows why, he, he knows I'm gonna forgive him. He knows that I'm gonna forgive him of that. But the better reason why I shouldn't run him down is that because today we're talking about encouragement. And so that's not really encouraging for me to say I'm better than him. It's true, it's just not encouraging. <laughs> um, and so that's, we're gonna, we're gonna, we started this series off this year, starting with a series that we called One Another, right? We're in this series, One Another where we're looking at how Jesus and his followers have taught us to love and care for people, how we're supposed to really care about other people. And this is what we wanna be about in 2023 here at White Oak. We wanna we want see God, how he mobilizes us, how he empowers us to go out, spread his love throughout our neighborhoods and our homes and our communities and the city, right? He wants to see us move. How God's calling us not just to come here on Sunday mornings and worship and hear a word from him, but where we put our belief in action in our Monday through Saturday lives. So that's what we've been doing as we started this, this year off because that was our call to action in God's word. God called us to move. Jesus points this out in the gospel. He points out what we do makes a difference. He's pointing out that we are known by the fruit that we bear. Look at this in Matthew chapter seven. He says, likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. We're to be known by the fruit that we bear. We don't expect to go to an apple tree, right, and find an orange. That would be weird. We don't go into a strawberry patch hoping to find a watermelon. It's just not what we do. The same should be true of believers. When people think of love and care and generosity and forgiveness and so many other of these supportive type of traits, they should be looking for that in the church. This is, when I'm struggling with pain, when I'm dealing with heartache, this place, us as a people, we should be who people come to. Instead, I think we kind of let our fruit look a little different sometimes. Instead of support, we've got judgment. Instead of forgiveness, we have that replaced with grudges. Generosity has often been replaced with greed. There are these one another's that have been, that we as a people have placed into our habits that are not in the Bible. For example, we, 
We scold one another, right? We humble one another. We pressure one another. This has happened over time either. Listen, the believers, us, who are sitting here today, those of us watching online who are here today, we may not be the root cause of this appearance. It may have happened before us, yet we have inherited the issue or we continue to perpetuate a behavior that leads people outside of these walls, right, to, be, to view our fruit as something that we didn't intend it to be. It has caused people to view Christians particularly as closed-minded, ultra-conservative, judgmental people. And so they've stopped coming here to get the support they need. And encouragement is no different. When we encourage people, it's no different. I'm not immune to anything I'm saying to you right now, by the way. I've, I've done this myself because I'll admit I've got, I've got a pessimistic personality sometimes. I don't like that about myself. I try, to, I try to avoid that as much as I can. I'm going to tell you, like, I'm going to say something. I'm going to admit something to all of you publicly. When that DeMar Hamlin thing happened on Monday Night Football, you remember remembers that, right? I mean, it hasn't been too long yet. We still got that going on. I watched and I was happy to see God. I was happy to see God and prayer being emphasized in the public domain, right? I, was, I, I appreciated that. But I'm going to tell you, there was a part of me that said, and sometimes out loud, we'll see how long that lasts. That was the reality. I said it. I don't always say encouraging things. And as a believer, this is not what God wants from me. I want y'all to listen today because this is important what we're talking about. It's important because we all have a tendency to let pessimism and neg negative attitudes, I like to call them attitudes. You can take that word if you want, attitudes. yeah. And it creeps into our lives some of us will even say, oh, I'm just a realist. That's the phrase we use. I'm a realist, right? That may be true, but I want you to know that just sit and listen and take note of what Scripture says about how we treat one another, about how we are called to be something different. When we allow the Spirit to produce something different in us, we will experience fuller life and be filled with a joy that God promises. We're gonna be talking about how we can encourage one another today, more like what scripture says. And the big idea that we will focus on is our words build each other up. Our words build each other up. Now, if you would, if you've got your Bible with me, I would love for you to turn to 1 Thessalonians. It's in the New Testament of the Bible. Uh, if you've got a Bible with you or a Bible app on your phone, maybe open that up. If you don't have a Bible, listen, that's okay. The words will be on the screen here in just a minute. And, and so you can read along there on the screen. But I just want you to know if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we want to put one in your hands as a gift, okay? You stop by the hub after service today, okay? And we will get one of those friendly people I mentioned earlier. They will give you a Bible and you can take that, okay? But this was a letter that Paul had written to, and Paul was just a follower of Jesus who came along after his resurrection and his, his ascension back to heaven. And Paul wrote much of the New Testament letters, right? The letters that we read in the New Testament, a lot of them were written by Paul. And they were written to churches and, and friends and believers whom he knew across the region of his time, okay? And so this particular letter was written to the church in Thessalonica, and so this church was experiencing hardship. Timothy, who was Paul's protege, okay, had informed Paul that the believers there were being persecuted, that they were being 
hated on by the Jewish elite, the people who were the Israelites, basically, right? And they were dealing with a lot of affliction. They were, they were struggling with what was happening, but yet Timothy tells him they continue to hold strong in their faith. And so Paul's writing this letter to encourage the people of the church in their faith. And so look at me at what Paul writes. We're gonna be in chapter five of 1 Thessalonians, and we're gonna start here in verse four of chapter five. It says, but you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Now, to help you understand the theme of this section of this letter, okay, what you need to know is that Paul, right before this, he's writing about end times, Okay, he's writing to this church about end times. What, what he's meaning is basically like, we're gonna fa- you're gonna face the time when Jesus comes again, right? When the world ceases to be the way we, we know it to be. And so what he, what he says to them is he says, listen, that day should not surprise you. It should not surprise you. Paul's just told them right before this, hey, you're not gonna know the exact day and time. He's not saying, hey, you should try to figure out when that's gonna happen, when the end time's coming. Here's the reality that I think probably we all should be aware of. Everyone's end time could ha- is gonna happen. It's gonna happen some point. I could face my end time today. That's just reality. And I don't know. So when Paul says, you should know the time is coming, you should know, you should be prepared, he's not saying that because he thinks they should know exactly when that time will be. He's actually saying that we need to live in a way that we are prepared for the coming of the Lord. We need to live being prepared, knowing that at any point the Lord could come. And so what he's saying is make the most of it. Make the most of the days that you have. Don't miss an opportunity to encourage one another, he says. Because the word that he uses here, he uses a word specifically with the idea of building up. It's about growth. He's saying help each other grow. We are helping each other grow in maturity through that encouragement. He says that we're children of light, right? And we don't belong to the darkness or fall asleep in our faith or give in to the drunkenness of this world. Instead, Paul says, live sober. Now, there's symbolism here. Now, hear me, getting drunk in general isn't something that we should give in to. The Bible's very clear on that. Drunkenness is not something that we should give in to But Paul is using this here as a comparison. When we give in to the drunkenness of this world, that's what he's talking about, the drunkenness of this world, we are letting our reliance on earthly pleasures, on our desires, on our mistakes, on our addictions, on what our wants, what what our opinions are. We've let those things, we've let the need to be liked, right? The need to have more. We've let that cloud our judgment, just like alcohol clouds your judgment. We've let that cloud us. And so Paul says, stay sober. 
He reminds the believers and also us that Christ died for us so that we may live together with him. We'll never have to face eternal death if we believe in Jesus. And so he ends with the result of all of this. He says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. The word he uses here in Greek, I put on the screen here for you, is parakaleo. Parakaleo is the word in Greek that he actually uses. And the word itself is translated to like beseech or call to one side. Another way of understanding this is to understand, it's saying like address or speak to people in a way that is comforting, instructing, encouraging. Paul is saying to, that we need to teach each other. We need to instruct each other. We need to comfort each other. We don't always look at encouragement as a teaching moment, right? Sometimes we look at it as just positive words. Instead, it's about teaching and comforting. This is what Paul was doing in his letter here, and he wants us to continue to do the same. Our words build each other up. And this was a theme, honestly, throughout much of Paul's writing. If you, if you read these letters that Paul wrote, uh, he was seeing a church the church that he was seeing at the time was in the midst of much chaos, right? The world around them was hostile to believers. They didn't believe the same things. They didn't want them to be around. Uh, Paul himself, he was persecuted. He was imprisoned for what he believed. So he knew that there was power and encouragement. Now, here's the reality. I don't think it's that much different than the church today, right? The church... While it's been strong throughout history, we still face persecution. We still have people who hate us. Look at what he wrote to another church that was dealing with some of the same issues. He wrote, there was a church in Ephesus, okay, that was dealing and struggling. They were new believers, right? These were Gentiles who had come to be believers, um, and they were just learning how to get along. And a Gentile is just somebody who's not an Israelite, not a Jewish person of Jewish faith, Right? And so they were someone who came into faith and they're learning about God and Jesus. And so they have a lot of the issues. They're not getting along with some of the long-standing believers who have, have been doing, when I say long-standing, it's been like 30 years at this point. They're like, oh, I've been a Christian since 30 years. Like, okay, well, everybody started being a Christian 30 years ago, so it's kind of new. And so he's saying, you're long-standing believers, you guys, you guys who were Israelites before and didn't know Jesus and now have come to know him, you're still tying into some of these laws and rules. And so Paul's calling on them. He says, be unified. Quit being divided. Quit being divisive. And then in chapter four of Ephesians, he challenges them. He encourages them with some instruction. Look at this in chapter four, verse 25. He says this. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." Now, again, Paul's talking about building up. He uses a different word, a different Greek word. Wikidome is the word he uses here. It's a, slight, it's a different word, but it's still a Greek word for encourage. But again, it means building. It's a building word, building up, strengthening, edifying, 
the active one who promotes growth in another believer, in Christian wisdom and happiness and holiness. This is a whole new way of looking at encouraging one another. It doesn't just mean that we're here to make someone feel good, right? Oh, I'm gonna make you feel good because I'm gonna tell you, oh, I like your outfit or, oh, you're, you're, really, you're really funny. Like, these are nice things. If you wanna tell me those things, you can. No one laughed at that. It was a joke. You don't, please don't come up to me afterwards. You're super funny. Clearly not, you didn't laugh. Um, it doesn't just do that. It doesn't just make them feel good. It makes them stronger as a believer, when Paul was writing these things, he was praying to us as believers to encourage each other, to grow our love for the Lord. That's the purpose of it. Instead of just telling someone something that gives them temporary enjoyment, we create in them real value, being led to their identity in Jesus. Paul shows us a comparison of the lives, right be- of what life looks like right before this. He says, don't lie to your neighbor, Right? Be truthful. Don't stay angry with someone. What does he say if you stay angry? He says, and you'll give the devil a foothold. Don't steal, he says, but work hard. Paul is saying all of these things, not just because they are a nice way to live. They are, right? They are a nice way to live, but because they should lead to something that builds others up. Don't talk about others because they're part of the family. Tell them how, how, how much God loves them instead, Right? Don't stay angry with them because, listen, the devil will get in there and, and destroy your relationships and tear them down. Don't steal, and I, and I really appreciate this because Paul says don't steal, but instead work hard. And why? Why work hard? So that you can help other people. That's what he says. And Paul says don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And I think many a parent, and I'm hopeful that I don't have to use it too much when our kids get older, that many a parent has used this verse to combat foul language, right? Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And that's okay. Listen, foul language, in my opinion, is often the refuge of an uninspired, corrupted, or just lazy mind who's looking to fit in or they don't, or they wanna be relevant, That's the reality. That's what I believe about unwholesome, foul language. But I also think what Paul is trying to remind the people here and us is it's not just particularly defined words, not just the cursed words that we all know that are unwholesome, but words that are discouraging, that those are unwholesome language. When we treat someone poorly, right, because they have an addiction or they've struggled with sin, that's unwholesome. When we tell someone that they're going to hell for their behavior, listen, it may be true, but it's not helpful. When we talk about someone behind their back, we complain about the things that they do that annoy us. Honestly, for us as believers, I get guilty of this, right? When we complain about our preferences not being met at church, We complain about how they're not doing it the way I like it, and we try to bring others along into our place of discontent. That's not wholesome. The word unwholesome here actually refers to things that are spoiled and rotten or putrid. That's what it means. And remember what Jesus was talking about earlier. Go back to that that passage I just read to you from the very beginning when he says, the fruit that we bear. Well, then if you think about unwholesome talk, that is bad fruit. 
It's bad fruit. It's spoiled. It's rotten. It's putrid talk. Here it's used figuratively for what is harmful, what tears down instead of what builds up. And what kind of things tear down relationships? What things tear down your, your friends and your coworkers? Uh, oh boy, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you where we tear down people the most. You know where it is? Your family, your spouse. Boy, I, I, I say some unwholesome things sometimes in my home to our kids. It's anger and dishonesty and gossip and, and honestly filthy language is in there. These are not building other people up. They're not helping others to grow in faith. See, we're called to encourage one another, to build each other up in faith in God. Each week when we walk out of these doors, right, we should be excited about God. That should encourage us. What we hear about God and what he's done for us, it should encourage us as we go out of these doors. We should be pumped to make others feel the love of Jesus. Even in the context of non-believers, listen, if, if those words make a difference. They show the nature of God. They show people how Jesus looked like. Our words build each other up. So when we go out of these doors, we are the light of God. We are representing God in our world. And the truth is, the world is gonna give people plenty of discouragement. It exists in just bucket loads out there. Crime and violence and disease and negativity and anger and politics and civil unrest. These things, they will discourage people. It will do every, the world will do everything in its power to bring people down. What I want us to be is something different. I want us to be the light. I want us to make a difference in the darkness. I want us to encourage people. That's what God says. Look at this passage in Hebrews. He says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. These verses are pointing out that a sinful, unbelieving heart is the kind of heart that hardens, hardens itself against God's word. A heart caught in evil and sin will continue down a path of destruction and calamity. And the author of this passage says that there's a remedy for this. There's a remedy for this path. We need fellowship in order to cure and guard against a hardened evil heart. We need each other. He says that believers need the encouragement of the church every day to root out sin in our heart. Sin's deceitfulness can entrap even the most mature believer in its snare and lead them away from Christ. But when surrounded by the church, Believers can cast a powerful gospel light upon the subversive, you know, dark sin that's in the world. And they can rescue brothers, fellow brothers and sisters from that disaster of rebellion. Listen, that's an example. Our words build each other up. 
Now, here's the, the most encouraging news I can give you today. Jesus laid the path for this encouragement. Jesus went to the cross. He took our sins. He took the shame that we had, and he bore them himself. And the truth is, we, were, we are all discouraged in our sin and shame. We, are, we were facing eternal death away from God. All of us. Yet Jesus came. He defeated death. He provided a path where we could live together with him and the family of God. That's encouraging. That should encourage you today. This is why when Paul writes many of his letters, he references the encouragement we receive in Christ. Now, if you're here, if you're sitting here today and you don't know what you believe about Jesus, right? You haven't made that decision to follow Jesus. You know, I'm, just, I'm not sure you're thinking to yourself. First of all, we're glad you're here. If you're watching online, we're glad you're watching. We want you to be encouraged that Jesus died on that cross for you as much as anyone else. He wants you to be part of his family. And you know the world has discouraged you. You know that there is negativity waiting for you, darkness waiting for you. Jesus says you can have hope in him. Take that step today. Don't, don't wait another minute. Choose to let Jesus lead your life. Let his encouragement fill you up. And take the step of obedience and choose to be baptized. And we get an even better picture of encouragement from Scripture. We have an encourager that you may realize is with us at all times when we believe. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that God was sending a helper in the form of the Holy Spirit. Someone to build us up. Someone to guide us. Someone to instruct our ways. Remember, that's all those things that, built, that encouraging is. He even says someone that goes to the Father on our behalf. Someone who gives us life. Listen, encouragement is critical to the faith of believers. Why is that? Because without encouragement from one another, we're lost in this broken and dark world. We get to see what a ministry of encouragement can look like, standing with one another, bringing a life-giving presence to one another. It's a lot more than just saying hi as we walk in on a Sunday morning or, during, or in, in a parking lot into church on Sunday, right? Real encouragement is one way we experience the Holy Spirit together. We experience the Holy Spirit together in encouraging one another. It's how we experience community together. And this kind of community, it's not life depleting, but life enriching. It's not guarded. It's all in. It's involved in each other's lives. It's not scrutinizing and criticizing. It's accepting. It's strengthening. These are characteristics that we should be looking for in our relationships with one another as we encourage one another how do we make this happen? How do we strengthen our ability to build each other up? Because that's a practical thing. What do I do, Chris, you may say, to become more encouraging? Well, look at this. Look at this. One of the things it says is we need to continually marinate together in the truths of the Bible. In Romans, it says this, so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we may have hope. We might have hope, Right? The Bible is the most encouraging book in the world. It is the most encouraging book in the world. We'd be crazy not to capitalize on that. 
in our church, right, in the life groups that we're part of. If you're not part of a life group, hey, you need to get involved. I'm telling you, you're missing out. That's where life happens together. That's where real encouragement happens. In those places, in our homes, we need to learn the Bible. We need to pray the Bible, enjoy the Bible. We need to be encouraged together by, that, by all that Christ is for us according to the scripture. And then we'll join in faith together. We need to share stories of how Jesus is getting us through life, real life in this world. Even better, every believer, I'm sorry, has a story. You don't know this about yourself, you do. Not just of when Jesus converted you, when you met Jesus for the first time. That is a great story, share that. But you've got stories that you can share of how Jesus is working in your life every single day. And you can share those with people who are not even believers. That may make them, lead them to seek Jesus in new ways. Our words build each other up. And we've been doing this throughout this series. If you've been taking part of it, we've been handing out these cards. They're in these little kind of tan envelopes with a colored sticker on them. And inside of these envelopes, there's there's something written, a challenge for each of you. you. If you take it, now hear me, if you take one of these cards, you're committing to doing what it says inside. And so these one another challenge cards, they're in the back on the communion tables. If you're watching online, you can find these challenges on thewocc.com slash one another. And so there's a place where you can choose one there as well. <clears throat> but we want you to take these. And if you've taken one before and you've got a certain color, make sure you pick one with a different color dot on it because we want you to do a different thing. And what we've done is we've used these as a way to build others up, to encourage people, to love, to care, to support, to do things for one another that we are called by God to do. They're little things. They're not massive things that you need to do, but they could be you know, profound, life-changing experiences. And then we want you to share those stories with us. We want to hear stories of how you've, of how you've had these moments with people, how you've one anothered with someone else. Because the one thing gospel encouragement isn't is it's not average, it's not mediocre, it's not ignorable. The ministry of encouragement is surprising. It is captivating, it's energizing. We are treated encouragement, we've turned encouragement into just being nice, right? And it's, it's good to be nice to people. We say nice things to each other. That's not what scripture calls encouragement. We need to get into each other's lives. We need to help teach each other. We need to comfort each other. We need to build each other up. Biblical encouragement calls us to hold each other up to higher standards. We're pushing each other to be better. We're reminding people of what Jesus does. We are creating a community of people who are on fire and excited for our ministry, our mission, the mission to spread the name of Jesus. We should walk out these doors ready and exhilarated for what God's gonna do through us. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for the people here today, Lord. I pray for an encouragement in their life, Lord, from the Spirit, that the Spirit would encourage them and lift them up in new and powerful ways. Lord, I pray that we would get deep into each other's lives as believers, that we would be there to build each other up, to instruct each other, to comfort each other. Because you, Lord, did all of those things for us and you did those with Jesus as you sent him to die for us. Thank you for that sacrifice. We pray all that in Jesus' name, amen.